0: everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built and we are a podcast of Burn Origination and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorigination.com If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Tune in Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. For some reason, you can also find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am most every week, and I'm joined by a man who I'm having to keep. From pulling off a full-on mutiny, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you?
1: You know, you give me just a little bit of power, a little bit of hosting, and uh, it, it's hard to relinquish that. I'll say that, you know, the, uh, the, the long-time listeners of this, I, you know, w- would say, Gerald introduced this show uh, almost every week as, uh, I'm your host, and this is your co-host, and it reminds me of an old Scrubs joke. It's like, you know, he, well, he's the, the chief resident, you're the co-chief resident. So, you know, I, I moved it up. Uh, last week, uh, when, when, you know, Gerald was out and, and I was, was host. Um, and so now, you know, it's, uh, going back to co-host, it feels like a demotion.
0: <laughs> it's, it's not a demotion at all, Kyle. It's not even in the slightest bit. I honestly assumed that you would just schedule Mike roach for this week and just completely boxed me out it was like i scheduled the interview i scheduled mike roach gerald you're done just be be gone
1: send you the wrong zoom link and just uh, send you on a wild goose chase let, to find us l-
0: let me sit let me sit here in the in the zoom but that's fine so we are uh we're continuing our optimistic march through the big 12 schedule so we'll have uh one of our favorite interviews every year on uh to talk melissa treebosser of frogs of war um, we'll obviously close it out with some godzilla because, well, uh, we're still uh, social distancing, and so we're doing a lot of streaming as of late. So we are 31 days away from a theoretical kickoff, even though the Big 12 has said schedule is changing. Uh, we'll burn that bridge when we come to it as we have all of the rest of them but we're continuing our work through our optimistic season preview hoping a season does happen and uh, so we have the distinct pleasure of bringing on uh i'll just be honest with you one of our favorite guests that we have on the podcast all the time uh, melissa treewasser who is uh the managing editor over at frogs of war melissa thank you so much for uh carving some time out to hang out with us today
2: I mean, listen, every time I come on, you guys tell me how great I am. So it's pretty easy to, to work y'all into the schedule. I don't hear a lot of that, you know, so it's, it's
1: nice. It, we we honestly, though, no, it's it's. Uh, I don't I don't know the metrics that say we get triple the viewers, but I, I know Gerald and I at least get triple the fun anytime you're on here. So, uh, you know, I it, it is for us a personal joy every listener go and share this with one of your tcu friends and let's get those uh get those listens up so we can get her on here once a month i don't know
2: or or (laughs) maybe not depending on what we are about to discuss here so maybe this is a one to not do fair enough okay
0: (laughs) good caveat (laughs) controversy sells um so, so, this is we, we addressed it in the intro, but we're switching up our recording schedule for the week. Normally, our preview show comes out on Thursday, and our kind of our newsy show comes out on, on Tuesdays. But um, Monday, at the day that we record the, this, is um, there's some news came out of TCU that uh, Gary Patterson. Uh, the head coach of, of the Texas Christian University Horn Frogs uh, used some some what we would I think is universally accepted as some unacceptable language in uh, in conversations and a couple of different conversations with uh, members of the team, kind of referring to team rules and team norms and those things being violated, uh, and then kind of backdoored it with another use of the of that same language that was trying to prove a point, but seemed to offend some of the players and some other players weren't offended by it. And we're really not here to, uh, to make a value judgment on that and really, but Melissa is, is obviously the TCU expert. Um, and so as, as the TCU person, we want to give you a moment just like to share like where, like what's going on with the TCU fandom, what's going on with you personally on it and kind of where are we at as, uh, you know, cause Gary Patterson's a really respected coach in a lot of circles. Like what's, what's the conversation where are you sitting and, and kind of what's, what's going on.
2: Well, I- it's troubling um, I, I think that um, you know as we were chatting earlier that if you're going to be a person that believes certain things um, that has been speaking out against um, you know obviously racism and uh, the societal injustice and and all the, the the systematic things in place that that are that are exploiting um, these young athletes, many of whom are black, uh, then you can't decide that it doesn't count when it's your team that is part of it. And um, it's, it's been really hard for me. Like I'll be honest, um, my, my first thought is, is it wholly unacceptable? Um, you know, everyone, context does matter, sure, but there's, it, no matter what the context is, it's completely unacceptable and inappropriate um, in any time to, to use that kind of language, um, to use those derogatory terms, um, even if it's an offhand comment. To me, it's the same as if I caught one of my students singing along to a rap song, um, I wouldn't be okay in that instance of them using um, that word either. Uh, it's an word that needs to be, you know, eliminated um, from people that are holding power or authority over um, Black people, and and that's what a coach is is doing to some degree. Um, and it and I saw a lot of people say, well, um, you know, Dylan Jordan shouldn't should, if he's not comfortable hearing it, he shouldn't be saying it, and. Um, I, I I think that I have no place as, as a white woman to say what um, what that word means to to different people and different cultures. But what I do know is that. Um, we cannot excuse its use um, I'm hoping that that this is a, a teachable moment not just for Gary Patterson but for t- the TCU community as a whole um, TCU has dealt with outside of athletics um, a lot of really disconcerting things with faculty and um, the Dean of uh, the Honors College was accused of some things there has obviously been issues um, of of uh, not in, inclusivity and not uh, having respect across uh, cultural divides um, on our campus. And, and I think that it's something that's, that's gone back for years. And like many of the, the schools in this country are seeing, is there's been a reckoning of sorts. And I think it's important as TCU fans, as a TCU alum, that we don't say, well, it's just not that big of a deal if you think about the whole story and look at all the players defending him, but more as say, this is another example where we need to take these types of things seriously and that we need to look in the mirror and decide what kind of people do we want to be um, and, and what do we want to stand for and what do we want our university to stand for? Um, and uh, I think Gary Patterson is, is a, a well-respected man. I think he genuinely cares for his players time and time again. Um, we've, had, we've had former players and current players come out and say what a, what a difference he's made in their lives. Um, this does not change that. You can be a person who does a lot of good and still do something really, really bad. Those two things don't have to be separated. But what has to happen is is that he needs to do something to not just apologize. I don't need a Mike Gundy video, you know, like an awkward handshake. Yeah. Um, I want to see real change. What is he going to do to acknowledge that? Um, I know I can't say this. I know I can't behave in this way. Here's what I'm going to do to make sure that not only it doesn't happen again, but that my players know that. I don't just have their back as a person, but I'm going to make sure that, that I do the right thing for them to elevate them and, and to continue to help them grow as I myself grow. Um, that That's where I am. <laughs> I know that's a lot, and that's kind of just a rambling mess of, of words. Um, I did see uh, one, of, one of the the senior tight ends, um, he's been very active in defending Gary Patterson throughout this, and his one of his more recent posts um, in the evening after there'd been so much back and forth on Twitter talked about him talking to Gary and specifically saying, what are we going to do for real change and and saying that there were plans in the works where they were not just going to make sure that that he was aware of the mistake but that they were going to do things to really address racism on the campus and in the community Um, and so hopefully that that comes to fruition and if it does and and Patterson learns from this and he continues to do great things for for his athletes and for the community because he's done so much in Fort Worth then okay great teachable moment let's move forward Um, but if it's just kind of a, a handshake and an awkward video and and a hey guys I'm sorry I know I shouldn't have said that word then, then we haven't learned anything from it, and so um, I'm definitely in wait and see mode at this moment. Um, but I think that that um, at no point will I say it's not that big of a deal, um, it, it, because obviously, to the athlete in that moment, um, or, or to any you know black athlete coming into that program, I, I don't want them to think that that I'm going to be okay with that.
1: That's, I mean, just kind of let that breathe, right? I, I don't, I don't think there's any any. that Gerald or I need to add on top of that you obviously understand the person the impact that he has in that community and that team I mean I'll just say right when when um coach Snyder retired from Kansas State I think Patterson is second after Kirk Ferentz at Iowa it's the longest tenured I mean he is a staple as much as any coach in any city in the country right of Fort Worth and of of that community and um I think we've had examples in the big 12 of, of handling it well handling it not well we've had um obviously you mentioned Gundy and I think you know There've been some, some issues there from, from folks, but then you look at the other side of Oklahoma with, you know, Lincoln Riley and we don't go out of our way to praise Oklahoma, particularly on (laughs) this this podcast, but uh, you know, he's, he's handled it. Well, I think Tom Herman, Gerald and I have gone on record quite a bit saying, so it's almost like the young guys, um, you know, have one perspective and, and I hope Gary, Patterson can, can set that exact example. You talked about being one of the true elder statesmen of college football and especially, you know, longest tenured, um, second most longest tenured in the country has a real chance to do all those things you said. So I, I, you know, we, again, are recording this Monday news broke kind of immediately before this. Um, you're hearing this on Tuesday, there will be some development that goes on. Um, hopefully this will be outdated very quickly when he comes out and does all of those things you talked about and does kind of, um, the right thing, right? I think it just leave it there. It does the, you know, the, the right thing. It shouldn't be a huge gray area on this.
0: And, and again, I think that what you mentioned is like if it, using this as a true teachable moment, a true learning moment. And I think that's in the wrong way. I think even what Patterson tried to say, he started tried to use this as a teachable moment for people. And again, not to excuse the language, but uh, you, know, you can't separate the intention from the actions. And so uh, it's, it's, you can't have that conversation. But we're, we're, this is a football podcast yeah. or a sports yeah. podcast. Yeah. Not it, we hopefully will have a lot of football to talk about. So we've we've gotta we've gotta talk about some football. Uh and I, I don't want to pick this scab cause it's a weird thing because like TCU beat Texas last year, but it was a bad year for TCU overall. Right. So pick the scab. Pick, right? pick it. <laughs> I love so,
2: talking about Texas. Uh,
0: so so Texas I, I rewatched that game like a masochist this afternoon when my kid was napping. So uh it is what it is. So Last year was a bit below standard for TCU, and I say a bit below standard. Uh, just the fourth time, I think, in the last 20 years that TCU has finished a season below 500 is if my, if my quick Wikipedia research. A third, third time, time. third time. Even just better. Third, just three. Impressive. So um, a lot of the, the issues... Under
2: Patterson. Yeah.
0: yeah. So a lot, of the, a lot of the issues, I think, circled around some things on the offensive side of the ball. And so um, some changes were made. Uh, Doug Meacham, former offensive coordinator Doug Meacham, was brought back in to coach wide receivers and tight ends. So there's a lot of talk that he's going to be kind of filling uh, like a co-OC role alongside Sonny Cumby, who's taking a little bit of heat on the internet, especially if you follow uh, if you <laughs> follow little. Stats of War. then Sonny Cumby's getting shot every day. <laughs> uh, I love
2: that you just called out, Parker. That makes me so happy.
0: I love following Parker. <laughs> Parker, he and I may not agree I on Parker. things, but he's great. Uh, so, so, what, like, do you know? Do we have a read? We didn't have spring ball, obviously, but like, what's the dynamic going to be like with with Cumby and Meacham both uh, on the sidelines?
2: So, I will say this from a media standpoint: the best thing that happened to TCU was Jerry Kill getting hired because Jerry does not have the typical Gary Patterson assistant filter. Because he's not a typical assistant. And so we actually got like a 40-minute Zoom call with him earlier this year. And first of all, let's talk about that's the second time I've gotten to talk to an assistant coach at TCU um, in a non-media like day setting um, because that just doesn't happen. We got unfiltered Jerry Kill over Zoom. And first of all, old man on Zoom. Awesome. (laughs) Always one of my favorite things. Um, but second of all, he was really wide open with with kind of he probably gave more details than Gary would have wanted him to give, which was great. And so what we're kind of seeing develop is that you know Gary Patterson has long been known as kind of the boss of the defense, so he's the head coach. But he wants he's such a detail guy, and I think if he could have been a defensive coordinator his whole life, then he would have been just per- like perfectly happy to do so. Um, so he'll be taking more of, a, of a, a detail role with the defense, working with his young coaches. He's got a lot of really promising guys on that side of the ball but they still are are early in their careers and then the offense Jerry is a guy that he trusts fully and so kill will kind of become the boss of the offense and what he has said is that it's his job to hold the rest of that staff accountable and that includes Sonny Cumbie so the rumors coming out are that Meacham is going to be the play caller. We haven't seen anything formal, but it appears that that's going to be the case, as, as y'all mentioned before, um, and that he will be kind of the guy that, that is making things happen. But Cumbie is still plays such an important role at TCU. Um, he's a great quarterback coach. Um, you know, Max obviously was all over the place last season as a true freshman, but it was clear that, that Cumbie was working to develop some really positive things in him, and he's also a heck of a recruiter. Um, there's still a lot of people that think that that Cumbie could be the coach in waiting when Gary Patterson does eventually um, hopefully retire after uh, this week it's still hopefully his choice but um, I fully expect it to be so Um, but but I think that that what you're going to see is a power dynamic of uh, Cumbie and Meacham working together but Meacham is going to kind of be the the guy that gets the final stamp but he still has to report to Jerry Kill and that to me is going to be the interesting part is Doug Meacham who By most accounts, left TCU because he didn't want to share duties with Sonny Cumbie. He wanted to be the guy in charge, going to be willing to report to somebody else, um, even if it is somebody who's so well-respected and has so much experience like a Jerry Kill. So that's kind of my expectation. I think in theory... I really bought into Jerry kill talking to him. Um, I love what he is trying to bring from a organizational standpoint, from a game plan standpoint and just the the type of person that he is. I think it has a chance to be successful, but you have a ton of big egos in that room and that's just the coaches, not even talking about the players. So, um, and that's a whole separate issue, but I think it'll be really interesting to see how it meshes, and I don't know if having like right now, TC's first game is technically September 26th. may or may not say that way, obviously, but it'll be really interesting to see if more time is a blessing or if having to sit there and think about it for an extra three weeks actually makes things worse.
1: You know, that's really fascinating. I didn't realize that Kill was coming in in that role. I knew he was coming in as kind of the you know that's the the big college football program now, right? As you try to get a head coach at another, you know, program who has some some name recognition, some clout, maybe whatever stage are in their career to be a, you know, an analyst or a, an assistant or you know, a, a, non, um, staff assistant, but I didn't realize he was basically playing principal, uh, of the offense. And, and, and that's
2: exactly it. Yes. it's yeah. a great, great way to say it.
1: And that, and that's amazing. Cause I didn't realize that, uh, until, um, the other day I was Googling and I don't remember, uh, how I found it, but Jerry kill was actually Gary Patterson's best man in his wedding. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. like, you got your, your like hermano over there, running the other side of it. That's like a, I'm kind of, the more you talk about it, the more I love that for, for, uh, for Patterson having that arrangement.
2: Here's here's the other thing that's interesting about that too is that there has never been a since Dick Bumpus retired, there's not been a person on that coaching staff that can tell Gary to shut up, and Jerry is is like he yeah. has he is on equal footing. He should have said something today, but or yesterday, but he is on equal footing um, with Gary Patterson and can be honest with you know, we, we all have bosses right at some level and and you've got your boss and then you've got your boss's boss and sometimes you don't feel like you could be super open with your boss's boss um but but that you can talk to your boss and so not only will cumby and meet and Applewhite and all these guys be able to talk to jerry kill but jerry kill can go talk to patterson and he seems like the kind and from what he's presented himself he's going to be a guy that that fights for his coaches. And that when Patterson is you know chewing out come be on the sideline he 's going to be the guy and he won 't be on the field i don 't think but you know that maybe maybe he 's beeping gary 's towel girl and say and tell him to calm down or something that's, <laughs> it, I, I think it has it 's either going to be a real beautiful thing that is going to help the offense look like a college football offense again or it 's going to be such a disaster that it might be more fun to watch
1: <laughs> well that's you, you 're you're, you're setting up my segues that 's a perfect way to look at it so with that okay. offense the the one thing we know as uh, a returning uh Max Duggan, it seems, is the, the starter. He started the uh, the second half of, of last season and heads into his second year now. He had ups and downs. Let's call Texas definitely what it was an up uh, for him. Um, flashed probably a pretty high ceiling. Um, what, are, what are your expectations? What are the expectations for uh, Duggan in year two?
2: Well, he has to be better. Um, TCU has unbelievable talent. They lost the first one wide receiver. They lost both of their senior running backs. But they – in theory have more talent this year than they did I think the offensive line will also be better just sheerly by the fact that it would be hard for it to be worse um especially once Niang think again can we just like let's again let's rip the band-aid off Lucas Niang played one last game her and it was against Texas because he wanted to beat Texas one more time like what a guy honestly what a guy um I'm going to keep talking about it because, you know, that's the game I got run over by Keontae Ingram and like blew up my knee and ankle completely. And I've never been the same since. So I, I just like, I need to feel good about that game and that win because I experienced so much pain that day. Um, but, and for like seven weeks afterwards, it's fine. I'm over it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, that in has a chance. Uh, he's a really hard worker. Um, he's a naturally gifted athlete, but, and like that's so cliche, but he's the dude that, that was finding ways to throw throughout the lockdown that, you know, has been working with his wide receivers or or whatever was available to him um, when he had the opportunity. He seems to refine, have refined his mechanics. And in the four practices of spring that we had, everybody said, okay, this, this looks like a guy that's taken a big step forward. That being said, um, he's not going to go from being a 50% passer, 55% passer, to a 70% passer in one season. It's just not going to happen. What you hope is that you finally have a guy in Doug Meacham who's going to look to exploit his talents and not play the "I'm either going to um, have our running back throw the ball on fourth and one, or I'm going to throw 70-yard fades to you know five foot eleven Jalen Rager, 70 yards down the field." Um, if they can actually work the middle of the field, um, take advantage of their tight ends. Then I think that Duggan is going to improve just based on scheme because he certainly has the ability to be a much better quarterback than what we saw um, throughout most of of 2019.
0: So you like you're killing the segues today, by the way. Like uh, one, like I, I've I've already started calling him Thug and Duggan because that just works for me. Um, love it, I love it. it. It really like I just it it sucked watching him pick apart the Texas secondary. Uh, sucked yeah for, depending on which side <laughs> of the field you're on and, and even if you ended up on crutches after that game or not can, uh, can, right.
1: hang on can i just point out for the for the the listeners not the viewers uh, at home who don't get the benefit of the visual aid is your air quotes are actually turned into the kind of uh i never know a little baby
2: horn frog until today, you yeah. did it
1: your, your air quotes are literally the horn frog and that kind of makes me hate and love you 10 times more both at the same time amazing
0: <laughs> those, those are just opposite sides of the same coin. Love it. So we'll we'll just talk we'll talk about the offensive line. Uh so uh Lucas Niang is gone. Um third round pick. Uh again. Congrats. Hopefully the the injuries clear themselves up. Um, And you you kind of talked about it. That was was one of the big struggles for TCU last year. It's really hard, regardless of how talented your offense is, to be good if your offensive line is struggling. And so, like, what are the expectations? How do they – I mean, you don't really replace a guy like Lucas Niang, but, like, what are the expectations for them to step forward and hopefully uh, keep Max Duggan from having to run for his life all day?
2: So, the thing that's going to be really interesting about that is that um, you bring back – a lot of guys who have been around the program for a long time, but most of them haven't been starters. And so in that sense, you're looking at a bunch of unknowns, um, but you also replace a lot of guys who have been around the program for a long time and were starters. And just, I mean, to be honest, weren't very good most of 2019. And so um, I think Coy McMillan is back at center. He is um, kind of your quintessential uh, really, really bright, smart, understands the game. Um, He's, he's not a great, center he's not a joey hunt or somebody like that um uh in austin um i can't remember his name right now but tc's had some really great centers i don't know that he's necessarily that guy right now but he's experienced he's solid he's not going to mess things up and he's not going to do anything to to get the quarterback hurt so you've got a good center that's super super important but then when you look at the guards and and the uh the tackle positions it's a lot of kind of unknowns um there's a lot of uh promise in in guys like um uh, John lands is a sophomore who is a, just a massive human being and looks like he could be really strong I think that we'll see Wes Harris step into a starting role this year um, that there's like 75 Harris boys they've all played for TCU and they all are um, incredibly talented and so I think he has a chance to be really good um, you're also looking at, at a true freshman and Garrett Hayes who was a super highly rated recruit um, a high four-star guy who has a chance probably won't start as a true freshman on the line but but could be a guy that's going to be really, really tough to redshirt. shirt um, at tackle. Austin Myers feels like he's been around forever. Um, he's, he's one of the, he was another really high four star recruit that was kind of expected to come in right away and compete. And he's kind of been in and out of the starting lineup, but he certainly has the talent and the ability to be really steady on the line and Quazel white. Um, who's a junior who played quite a bit last year as a sophomore and has a chance to be um, really good. But the best thing that that the Frogs did this year is they went and found um, a grad transfer in TJ Stormett from um, Colorado State. He's a guy that was literally driving to Purdue to go sign his letter, got a call, um, and he had a previous relationship with Brian Applewhite, who's TC's new running backs coach, um, got a call from the Frogs, and they said, hey, uh, we know you're about to sign with Purdue, but but we can offer you a, a really great opportunity here. And he immediately – like, I think he was in, like, Louisiana, like, on a cell phone on the side of the road. And he was like, okay, never mind. Sorry, Purdue, I'm out. Uh, maybe he watched TCU destroy Purdue last year. I don't know. It could have been it. Um, and made his way down to uh, to Fort Worth instead. And I think he could be a really, really key piece. So um, there's definitely uh, a lot of paper tigers, a lot of guys that are expected to do good. Um, Andrew Coker's another one who should be mentioned, a redshirt freshman who – um, just just looks like a dude that you want standing in front of your quarterback. Um, I think he definitely has a talent to be great. So pieces are there. Will they gel? Will they stay healthy? Um, you're not going to have a Lucas Niang type, a guy who's that dominant and that great. But I think it should be a stronger unit overall. And I will say this. the depth is better than it was last season. Um, You can go too deep with guys that you'd be pretty comfortable starting in a big 12 game. I think Um, just, just based on what we've seen out of them, it's just a matter of what do they look like when all five of them line up together.
0: And I think that's, that's always the question with the unit, like, like the offensive line, right? It's all about chemistry. It's all about do I trust the guy to my left and right? Do I, do I know where I'm putting my hands? Do I know where I'm putting my feet? Can I get my feet out of the hole? It's, 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 we, we had a former Texas offensive lineman, Nick Zajchek, front of the show on, and he talked about all those things. And so, like, it, it's, so, it's so hard to, like, especially without spring ball, talk about, like, mm-hmm. hey, what's that group going to look like? Because we haven't seen all these new pieces putting their hands on people and putting their feet in holes and all those uh, important things.
1: So, for you know, the, the natural segue there, I think, is to talk about the the running game. And you talked about Coach White. It's it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting look. I think um, for that that room. You mentioned that they, they have two people leaving, thirteen hundred yards and thirteen touchdowns going with them. Um, but they bring you know some um, promising players back, and then also you throw on top of that, you know, let's just let's just throw it out there, a five star. Probably by a lot of, uh, you know, estimations to be the top high school player in the country. I mean, I think we'll, we'll have a, a battle of five-star running backs for a couple of years possibly uh, of two to look at there. But Zach Evans, um, who kind of came in and, and just, I mean, crazy thing. We could spend a whole probably podcast talking yeah. how, how that ended up. But, um, you know, uh, <laughs> how do you see... Gary Patterson dealing first with a player like Evans, who's, who's had some issues um, in the past with, with discipline and, and some coaches. And then, you know, assuming that goes well, what, what do you think his impact can be?
2: I think that, that where Patterson thrives is with a kid who has been on the edge of trouble but has never really fully crossed the line. And I've heard all kinds of stories um, about what Zach Evans has or hasn't done. Um, what's confirmable is that he has shown a lot of immaturity some really bad judgment, um, and, and potentially more than that. Um, but again, I'm not, though I saw quite a bit on Twitter slandering um, and, and saying, well, if you knew the inside story without anyone producing any receipts. So I, I honestly don't know enough. Um, what I know is, is, is that this is a really immature kid um, who who really, if he's willing to buy into the program, um could benefit a lot from Gary Patterson's style. Um, he does not do well with really highly rated kids that want to be treated like really highly rated rated kids. He does really well with um, with kids who come in and are willing to buy into the system. Um, he He's not a guy that everybody can play for. And I will say early reports um, out of summer ball and, and or summer practices or conditioning or whatever and in the first couple of days of fall campus, is this is a kid who seems pretty dang bought in. Um, will it last? I don't know. You know, let's see what he says in October. Like, it, it remains to be seen. But right now, um, he, he, he chose TCU knowing full well what he was getting himself into. Um, so hopefully – and, you know, I'm, at the end of the day, like, I'm a high school teacher. I love TCU. But, but what I really see is, is a kid who has a chance to, to get himself back on, on the right path, do something great, um, and really flourish in an environment where, where he has a chance to be successful. So if he's able to stay in the program – and stay bought in, especially if he's not the starter day one, which we'll get to that, but don't expect him to be the starter day one. Um, then I think that, that he's obviously just, we haven't had a guy like that since LT, right? And, and maybe he won't be that good. I'm not going to put that on his shoulders, but the potential um, and, and just the ability and what we've seen of him so far, he can be that good. Um, like I said, it's not a guarantee. Um, don't sleep on Darwin Barlow. Everybody seems to have forgotten about Darwin Barlow. And um, from what we've we've heard and, and what everyone is saying is he's been an absolute monster. Uh, what you love is another highly rated kid who sees a five-star sign and goes, okay, and goes and puts on 10 pounds of muscle and says, beat me, beat me out. And that's what Darwin Barlow has done. Um, so he was a kid that was pursued by everybody, almost flipped to USC at the last minute, Um, came to TCU with one of his best friends from high school, Josh Foster, who's a safety um, and has just worked and worked and worked. And when he got on the field last year, he was awesome. Um, He only played in a couple of games. He had a couple big runs, had a great touchdown towards the end of the season in front of his whole family. I was standing right in front of them and they just, I've never heard a group of people get so loud in my entire life. It was great. Um, And so I think that 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 one, two punch is going to be if we run the ball effectively, um, don't tell Parker I said that, but if we, if we work to use that, um, I think it can be a really effective one, two punch. Demarque Foster is a guy whose, um, whose legs are the size of like a small redwood tree, um, just a massive human being. And then, uh, Amari DeMarcado is uh, just an experienced veteran guy who knows his blocking assignments. He can catch the ball out of the backfield and, and just bring kind of a a calmness and and a a level of um, veteran experience to that group as well. So, um, the running backs, get I get so excited thinking about what they can do if we know how to properly deploy them, not just in the running game, but the passing game as
0: well. So one, I thank you for for bringing up Parker. He's actually in the question that I wrote for Kyle, and he skipped over it because he already took a shot at him earlier. But it's fine. Um, oh,
2: it's keep taking shots at him, please. I'll make sure that he listens. I was trying. I was,
1: try, I I was trying to be nice, and usually, you know, Gerald's the nice one. But I, I tried to take a page out of his book. So I, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, and I absolutely again, I absolutely love. I, I love the Like I'm. I I, just, I wish I was as smart as some of these like advanced stats. I know. I know. He just freaks me out. Yeah, it's it's nuts. But um, so we 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 talked about you know, the running backs and, and kind of what Z- Zach Evans could potentially bring in, in one, I think you said something there and I'll just comment on it. Cause it's, you know, the youth pastor in me coming out, like, This this is an 18-year-old kid that got really bad advice from some really bad people and didn't have anybody to tell him, like, shut your mouth and and get in line. So, like, I think that's probably going to happen at TCU, at least my gut feeling. So, like, I I just hope that he gets some good advice finally in his life because he's a kid that's got an NFL future, and I love seeing kids like that who uh, have an opportunity to change their entire family's fortune. But speaking of a guy who's done that, Jalen Rager, praise the Lord, is gone. I'm so excited that he is now in the NFL. I'm going to be really, really honest with you. Um the remaining wide receivers, great unit. They, they've got a lot of talent there. Um, we all remember, again, Texas fans remember, Tay Barber. That name is going to haunt me. It's, he's, he's up there with the, the Josh Freemans of the world now that I wake up and will continue to curse those names forever and ever. Amen. Um, but, like, what are the other names that Texas fans should probably become familiar with uh, before the season starts?
2: Yeah, um, I think you you're absolutely right to bring out Tay Barber. He is the most experienced um guy on the roster as far as career catches, but he still only has like 29 career catches. That's how young and inexperienced this, this group is as a whole. Um the one that we need to be great, if PC is going to be good to balance hunt has to be great. Um he's the six foot three speedy guy. He's the one that made that ridiculous one-handed catch in the end, like put his hand down in the end zone against Baylor to force triple overtime before things that we won't talk about happened, but um, all the talent in the world, all the ability in the world, soft hands, body control, just, just needed needs probably, you know, probably needed last year seasoning just to get to be a, a legit power five wide receiver. He should be great this year. Um, another guy that you guys already know well is Quentin Johnston. Um, he's a true freshman that was going to Texas until he wasn't Malcolm Kelly. Guy, that's got to really hurt when he not only flipped at TCU, <laughs> but a, a former Oklahoma yeah. player was the one that now you've stolen plenty of great guys from us that I would kill to have um, Jonathan Gray. I'll never, ever forgive you for that, but it's fine. Um, but, but yeah, so, so I think he's another guy that he's a true freshman. Um, it's so hard with wide receivers that are true freshmen to know. Um, I don't know if he's one of those guys that steps on the field and all of a sudden is, is just absolutely excellent, but he definitely looks like he could be that guy. Um, but the one that, that, and I mean, there's all sorts of, there's John Stevens Jr., there's uh, Savion Bird, there's Darius Davis. Like, the TCU has the variety pack wide receivers that are great. But the one to me that was the biggest pickup was J.D. Spielman, the grad transfer, from, or the transfer from Nebraska. Uh, he's immediately eligible to play. He was Nebraska's leading receiver, was going to be first in every meaningful category in their record books, and um, decided to leave. Um, he, he was dealing with some anxiety issues and, and some, some different things and needed a fresh start. Um, Rick Spielman is his dad, the, the GM of the Minnesota Vikings, Rick and Jerry kill are really good friends. And so he made his way down to, to Fort Worth and TCU, um, he was he was one of the best receivers in the Big Big Ten last year, which isn't saying anything in the Big Ten, but still <laughs> nice to be able to say. Um, and and he's a he's a explosive guy. He's small, but he can return punts. He can return kicks. Um, he's got great hands. He's not afraid to go across the middle. And like I was talking earlier about those intermediate routes, like he's the guy that's going to be willing to go and run them. And so I think he'll be a really great safety blanket for Max, um, a guy that he can trust, that he can develop great chemistry with, and that can can do all of the things that that a young quarterback needs in a, in a veteran wide receiver. So um, to me, he's kind of the, the, the keystone of, of what works. If, if J.D. Spielman can eat up space in the middle, then it frees things up for Tay Barber and on the other side and Tavalen on on the outside and Quentin Johnston. And then of course the two tight ends. Um, if we just will remember that pro Wells is a, as an NFL player, and use him occasionally. Like that guy could be an all-conference tight end, and for TCU to have someone even in the conversation, it'll be the kid from Iowa State. But, but even in the conversation, like I don't remember the last time we had a tight end that like actually caught balls. So it's really exciting to think about what what Pro Wells can do um, if, if given the opportunity, and I'm hoping that Meacham will find a way to use him effectively. I don't doubt that.
1: <laughs> so let let's that's a that's a a fantastic view of the offense, but, you know, we, as we said at the top, Gary Patterson is a defensive coach, probably first and foremost. Right. And, and, you know, for a five and seven team last year, lost a, a good amount of talent off of, off of that defense. Right. I think, you know, you start right at the, the front with the star of the D line, um, Ross Blacklock, you came on this and, and talked uh, last year quite a bit about, and it seemed to, he, he lived up uh, to that as a second round pick. He left uh, early, um, but last year only 22 sacks, which is, you know, again, un Patterson, ask um I mean how does this team that front seven uh really kind of generate that pressure this season to to give a different look
2: yeah I mean that that was the thing is that defense was unbelievable last year they could not get in the backfield and a Gary Patterson defense does not work if you're not pressuring the quarterback and and it's really interesting um, I, I was talking to one of the coaches and I won't say who it was but if you think about it you'll be able to figure it out but um after the cheese it bowl best bowl ever in the history of the world um <laughs> she's right, she, lit bowl um, cheese lit bowl, cheese int bowl, whatever you want to call it. Um, But, and he said, he told me, he was like, Melissa going into next year's best group of defensive linemen I've ever had. He's like the talent and the athleticism and all of this is unbelievable. Well, the problem is, is they were really young. And I think that they just never quite developed into like college ready players last year. And so the hope is that this year that, that they're, they're healthy, that they're motivated, um, and and that they're maybe a little bit better schemed to be successful um, because you're going to have a lot more youth on the outside than you did as far as the the secondary. Um, you had two veteran uh, cornerbacks for much of the season last year. You had two seniors starting, uh, Jeff Gladney, who you know who's an NFL player now, um, who was a was your first round pick, right? Um, so so you had guys that that could make up for that. Well, you're not necessarily going to have that this year, at least not in the experienced department. And so Corey Bethley. Um, on the inside is, is the guy that, that absolutely has to be break to be great. Um, what is really interesting is if Marcel Brooks um, is granted eligibility, which we haven't heard, um, he's going to probably play safety, but he's going to play a down safety kind of like what Ennis Gaines did. And he's a guy who can absolutely blitz and play at the line of scrimmage and you know rush the quarterback and and be a great um a great run stopper too on the line um, he could be an absolute difference maker as far as just being able to get pressure um, but outside of that it's, it's a mixed bag of we're not exactly sure um, we think George Ellis is going to be really really good next to Corey Bethley you've got Terrell Cooper who's another guy who feels like he's been around forever at defensive tackle neither of those guys are um uh Ross Blacklock obviously but they have a chance to be really really good um Jaquaz Sorles is another guy um who who was a prep school kid who came um he he has um been in the doghouse a little bit from what I understand so we'll see if if he pans out um and then at defensive end um you know I don't want to put this all in one kid but but it's got to be O'Shawn Mathis um, he was expected to break out last year and, and he was fine like he wasn't bad but he wasn't quite there yet and, and for that defensive end position to generate a pass rush O'Shawn Mathis has to be a complete and total difference maker he'll have pretty good players opposite him um, the Frogs got Mark Jackson defensive end transfer from Oklahoma he played linebacker for the Sooners for the most part um, he's not going to be a world beater but he should be pretty good he's probably got to sit out this year I don't think his waiver has been granted and then you've got Earl Barquette and Colt I love a couple of young guys, Parker Workman, who is fine, um, but not as good as I wanted him to be based on his hair. Um, so, <laughs> so it's going to be up to, he's got beautiful, luscious locks. Um, I'm losing daylight too, by the way. I'm sorry. I'm gone dark here. Um, but it, it's up to, it's up to hit like to, to one of these guys to be good and for O'Shawn Mathis to be great. And I think that, that we're going to see a big breakout season from Mathis. Um, he, he looks like he has a chance to be an elite pass rusher we just need to see it happen on the field
0: and i'm i have no doubt that a gary patterson defense comes together and you know intercept sam ellinger four times in one game to to really put a blemish on things or whatever Ah, that turns out
2: thank you Uh, knocks loudly
1: on wood knocks loudly on wood
2: today's episode is brought to you by cars.com
0: I think we've thoroughly exhausted that and we've gone from daytime to nighttime. And so it feels like the right time to transition uh, to this next section. So I'm going to let Kyle introduce it because I hate the name, Uh, but Kyle's going to take it.
1: We love the sentiment, hate the name, but we're far too too, uh, far along here in this to change it. This is the section we're calling hooked them, um, which again, everyone agrees besides Gerald. It's a wonderful name where we, uh, we hit you with some rapid fire questions Um, any of our guests, you know, we enjoy this with, but we just, you know, we're but
2: before we do that though, really quick, um, I would not be a TCU. I could not talk about TCU without at least saying the names, Traylon Merrick, Darius Washington and Garrett Wallow. That's all we need Garrett to say. Wallow. We don't need to talk about how great they are. There just you can't talk about TCU without talking about those guys this summer. They've been all over the place. Okay, That's we had
1: we had some Garrett Wallow questions teed up, but we we literally watched you go into the dark, and we thought you know this woman has has a family and 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 a life, and we I, wow, we-
2: I don't have a family, so thanks for rubbing that one in. Um, it's fine. I mean, they're in California. I haven't seen them in you know nine months. It's fine. It's we're we're good. It's good. Okay. That just Hold means on. I'm fine. <laughs> You've got a that Four-legged just,
0: family, right? You got, you that's got, right. I
2: do have dogs. I as do.
1: as a proud dog father, yeah, that's that to me. <laughs> right. Please do not disparage that fa- family unit. Yeah, the uh, no, so back to the, the rapid fire here. You know, with your wit, always these are these are entertaining. So we've prepared a few um, that we're, we're proud of this year. I think I think we did a did a good job uh, so getting excited. ourselves and, of course, not you, ready for these. But so let's start right at the top. Why don't you come on down to uh, the first question? Rod Roddy, RIP, by the way. I found out he died at the end of last year, which was very sad. Yeah, but it was a long, tough day. Long-time voice of The Price is Right. Just seems like a, a genuinely wonderful human being. Um, had one of the most iconic voices in showbiz. You may not have known the name, but I guarantee you if you played that clip, everyone instantly recognized his voice. So, so Melissa, Gerald looks
2: like he wants to punch you right now. <laughs>
1: He's this is, this is the zone. We get in the zen for this section. This is where this we is really the shine. Business. This is what we take seriously. That, that football stuff, fine. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm, so, whatever. if you could, Melissa Treewaser, today be the voice of anything in, in, in the world, you are the voice of it. Today, you're switching jobs. That's your job going forward. What would you be the voice of?
2: The voice of, like, am I the announcer for, or am I like the spokesperson? This could be absolutely anything. Freedom Look of creativity
1: curious. to answer, yeah. How, how you? How your heart tells you.
2: I want to take over the movie phone voice.
1: Ooh, I like Nobody it. Nobody
2: uses it anymore, <laughs> yeah. so it's completely and totally irrelevant. But i <laughs> always loved hello welcome for movie phone press one for like i just think that and i you know i'm a film major so i always want to be around movies that or the snuggie like i feel like the snuggie person had a pretty good gig for a while too so
1: each had a glorious three years you're right
0: (laughs) i love it okay so this is something that i shouldn't be proud of but i am but i have gone i've gone perfect throughout this uh, series. So I've, I've tried to find a weird connection. So uh, former TCU running back James Binarski joined the WWE and wrestled out of Austin, Texas with the ring name, Scott Putsky. And I say all of that simply to ask this question is if there was a TCU player current or kind of recent history that had to be, or would be most likely to be a WWE wrestler, who would it be? And what would the ring name be? <sighs>
2: Man, I hate I hate to say it because the guy I want to say like it's just because he feels like he's kind of like like an unfunny Rob Gronkowski, but Tank Carter. Um, sometimes he says things on Twitter, and I'm like Tank. Yep. Please just, please stop. Um, but doesn't he feel like a guy that's probably taken a chair or two to the head? Um, so
1: if you would have told me that he currently is a wrestler, I would have
2: yeah. I, yeah I, uh, it makes T- sense. Tank is the guy, and listen, he already has the built-in wrestler name, and like. Tank the Shank or something like that. So I, I think Tank is the guy. Um I also would would probably mention um Robert Olson, who is also a great Twitter follow. Um, not because I think he would be a good wrestler, but he would be a great heel or like the comic relief guy that comes in and is kind of like the like the the goofy second part of the tag team, um, so but the tank is kind of the one who I'm pretty sure that's what he's going to end up doing at some point.
1: So some people have taken that question very seriously. I appreciate that you understood that, that it is not just who has the technical foot. We want to know who has the who can who can cut a sheet, yeah. You know, so I I, yeah. I appreciate I appreciate that. So um I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two CVs right now. I'm going to give you um, two things that, that you listen to and and without telling you who I want you to pick one or the other, and I'm gonna start and just call it CV1, and I'm gonna call it CV2, and I'm gonna caveat this, I'm gonna tell you, you know, obviously we've been in a quarantine situation, we've been locked down, Uh, we've all been watching a little bit more from our couches, Um, but these would be the only thing in this scenario from the start of quarantine until now that you yourself would be able to watch. All right, I'm gonna give you, uh, Legally Blonde, Royal Tenenbaums, Idiocracy, Old School, Blue Streak, uh, Legally Blonde. Two, Zombieland, uh, In The Family Stone. That is CV1. Keep that in your brain. Okay. Lock it in there. Number two, Wedding Crashers, Zoolander, Marley and Me, Midnight in Paris, also the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, cars, Shanghai Noon, Night at the Museum, The Internship, Yumi and Dupree. Uh, If you have to pick one of these CVs to watch the entirety of quarantine, which are you picking?
2: So this is a problem for me, because the minute you said Royal Tenenbaums, I was like, it's number one. And then you threw me for a curve, and it was on both lists. Um, Cars, really hard to say no to cars. Also one of my personal favorites. Um, But I think I'm going with list one by a hair.
1: Now, that's just the TCU bias. I I tried to give a true blind pick here. That was CV number one was Luke Wilson, the Wilson brother who attended TCU, while CV number two, obviously, was Owen Wilson uh, of UT fame, both out of Houston, Texas, of course, represent. But I got to feel that that's just the purple tinted glasses.
2: It comes out no matter what. You can try to suppress it, but the purpose, it always finds a way to to integrate what everything that you say. So also, I, like, let's just talk about like what a list. What both of those guys, man, like Seriously. what list? What successes? What I, I great humans.
1: I didn't even include things like like Rushmore, which I I was trying to kind oh, of
2: oh how do you push, leave Rushmore on well, the list? Well,
1: I was kind of trying to push down Luke Wilson's um list a bit and build up Owens. Um, you know, uh, so, so yeah, Starsky and Hutch. I thought uh. You know, might uh, might might be too obvious that who I was talking about, Drillbit mm-hmm. Taylor. Come on, uh, no, oh,
0: that's Wow. <laughs> so, last one. This I think like this is a good one to, to finish with. So, this is something that Kyle and I learned. We learned something producing this podcast. But the owner of the second longest streak in Jeopardy history, seventy four games, bringing in more than four hundred thousand dollars, is Julia Collins, a TCU alum. So, as a fellow. TCU alum. If you had to go on a 74 game win streak on any game show of your choice, what game show would you pick and why?
2: First of all, I would kill at Jeopardy. My amount of useless (laughs) knowledge um, is just all over the place. Just don't ask me about math. We're cool. Um, Oh, man. What game show would be... Like, I always wanted to be on, like, um, uh, what's that world traveling show or Survivor? Amazing Race. Like, amazing Race. I always want to be on Amazing Race or Survivor. Those were the two. So, I guess, technically, what you could say is that, like, I could be on Amazing Race and just win all of the events. But you're not getting the 74 with that. Oh, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. It just came back to Netflix, I think, or Hulu. One of the two. It is the most iconic game show in the history of mankind the most underrated game show in the history of mankind please tell me that you know that i'm about to say the words supermarket sweep
1: that's the one
2: that's the tweet that's that's the show i want to be on
0: (laughs) beautiful
1: i mean i have to ask a follow-up i know we're trying to get out of here but i have to ask a follow-up your first item that you run to where are you going immediately first
2: like olive oil or something like that. Like, you got to go, it's the bang okay. for the buck. You okay. can buy like a $30 thing of olive oil at oh, the grocery good. store. That or like the, the, the brisket. I mean, you, we live in Texas, some yeah. of us are yeah. in Texas vicinity. Like, brisket right now is like $75 a pound. So, okay. yep. like, that's that. But it was, what was the one that they always went to first? There was always something that like you was like a guarantee. Hams.
1: Hams. They hams always went for hams. Yeah. yeah. But
2: I'm going yeah. to olive oil. You can, I think you can fit more into your cart than you can
0: hams. I like that avocado oil is also weirdly expensive oh could you
2: could you imagine playing that game show at like whole foods <laughs> it would be that's what they i want i want hoity-toity supermarket sleep your what court is
0: dollars <laughs> yes. your prime discount brings it to forty one five hundred <laughs> yep thought, we should start this i think we have something here guys Let's okay that nobody else take that idea we're done yeah with it, So the one thing we don't have
1: the ip <laughs> anyways <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Melissa, if people want to find out more uh, what you got going on then where could they find you on the internet
2: you can find me at the coach melissa on twitter and of course at frogsaward.com the twitter the facebook all of those good things um we have been staying afloat over the last five months um but Very hopeful we'll have real football things to write about soon, as I'm sure you guys are as well. And also my number one priority in all of this is the health and the safety of the players, the coaches. I feel the same way as I do for teachers and students um, that – that wear your masks, please people. Um, it is not a personal right to not do that. Um, do the right thing, take care of people, take care of others. Um, and if you're going to send your child back to in-person school, please do not eat at restaurants or travel. That's my personal request as a teacher.
1: That's uh, hopefully Excellent. everyone listen to that. Cause that might be actually the most important thing we said on the podcast this, uh, this week. Thank you so much, Melissa. It is, we honestly mean it when we say it, it's a joy every time we have this on the calendar.
2: Well, I always really love coming on and chatting with you guys, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to do it before the T- the Texas game this winter, fall, October, October.
1: Lord willing, the creek don't rise. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's wrap it up this week, Gerald. With uh, we we skipped over it last week because you weren't on, and we didn't get to talk about what we are watching. But you've got uh, I don't know, maybe some some late night uh, babysitting shows to binge you have some uh maybe you're not sleeping just zero hours to watch anything but if possible if you are watching anything let's hit it with the godzilla tron as they rebuild that south end zone with an even bigger screen but for now the segment remains godzilla tron what are you watching on your giant screen gerald
0: okay so first of all one of the this is the life hack for for new for new dads is well your wife is doing most of the if not all of the hard work so like stay up for like an extra 30 minutes after she goes down and do something around the house, fold laundry, do dishes, whatever, right? Like pick up something extra. And so when 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 I do that, uh, I'm an audiobook guy because I want to keep things going. And so um, a few days ago, probably a week ago, I saw the trailer for the new HBO series Lovecraft Country, uh, which is pr- created produced by Jordan Peele. Um, it's got a really incredible cast. The trailer looks awesome. I'm not normally like the horror guy, but the cast and Jordan Peele, I'm like, yeah, let me check this out. So it's based on a book of the same name. So I checked out the audiobook from the local library and I've been listening to it and it's absolutely awesome. I'm having a super mega blast with it. It's creepy as all get out. Hence the name Lovecraft country. If you don't know about HP Lovecraft and all of the stuff he did, Um, I'm also super interested because well, it's a predominantly black cast produced by uh, mostly black people and HP Lovecraft was a racist. So I love seeing that uh, happening currently, which is just brings a lot of joy to me. I've also, uh, my wife and I started last chance you, the new season's real, real good. Um, it's different than the other ones, because if you don't know about California junior colleges, they don't give scholarships or like room and board. So these kids are like, I work nights and I play football and I have two kids. So it's like an interesting wrinkle. Um, The first episode totally rocked me. Um, No spoilers for it, but I was holding my son during the big reveal at the end of the episode. Again, no spoilers. And I started to like man weep. And I say man weep. I just cried because I'm a crier. It is what it is. Um, And then in my free, in my other free time, when I'm sitting on the couch, folding laundry, I started this weird show called, warrior nun on netflix where it's uh, exactly what it sounds like where there, it's like a sect of warrior nuns that are fighting angels and demons and that whole thing it's super it's like i don't have to pay attention to it because i'm like folding laundry and infant clothes are weird to fold so like i have to pay attention to that so it's one i could split my attention to but that's what i've been streaming in my weird sleep deprived uh last couple of weeks
1: well, that's uh, amazing that you you found something called Warrior Nun. Um, I know, actually, all three of those sound interesting in their own way. Last year, and to you, I'm, I'm way behind on I'm still in Mississippi. I didn't even watch the uh, the two seasons, I think just two in between, when they went from Mississippi to, I believe, Kansas. So I, I actually had planned to catch up on that. I think I'm going to do that soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll have to check in with you when I get there. I'll say this. I have been watching some things, though, Gerald. Uh, there's there's a few things in the work. I'm going to save them because I, I promised I would talk a little bit about uh, Treme. Now, Gerald, have you seen Treme? Uh,
0: so I have, like, watched two-thirds of Treme, like, three different times. Mm. And then something happens where I don't finish, like, the last season.
1: It's amazing, right? I have a well documented a well documented love for the city of, of New Orleans. My uh, my wife, you know, grew up on the Gulf Coast in, in Houston, has family from Mississippi. I mean, it's 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 it, it all makes sense with the, the storms, the Katrina and Rita, and everything that was going on there. The New Orleans uh, folks they often reference Houston. You know, uh, people going to Houston and coming back from. Basically, the, the show um, takes place immediately post Katrina, and then the seasons build out. Uh, longer and longer from that and it just you know in true David Simon fashion it's the guy who created the wire they look at just you know systemic ineptitude um, government you know failings and and you know just the the fallout of a single bad policy and how that trickles down into all these people's lives um, I don't really think there's like a ton to spoil because it's not like a show that has like a you know this is the big goal and and you know they're gonna get there but there are some fantastic characters to watch their arc um, I was actually surprised my wife blew my mind when she said she liked it more or better um, than The Wire, which you know I I ride for The Wire being the greatest show ever made. So I you know I I didn't talk to her for a little while, but I, I truly get it because a if you like good music, it's one of the best music shows I've ever seen on any you know just platform it's um both the music is great and the story of musicians lives and just the new orleans jazz um and also just like you know the stretch and the pull of it being an epicenter of jazz but not really being recognized with like you know kennedy center in new york and people have to travel uh, internationally to make it um and then it really focuses on the subculture the mardi gras indians as well which is super fascinating if you don't know about it just nothing else like it but anyways it just also is a love letter to the city of new orleans which again is is My favorite city in the world so it it to me was just perfect i would watch 20 seasons of of um bunk uh slash cool lester smooth in in cool guy new orleans characters if you've seen the wire and haven't seen treme let that be the advertisement uh that you need but uh treme 10 out of 10 would recommend just such a fun thing couldn't like go it's a binge show because i just wanted more and more and more i didn't want to stop except to go to bed right it's just it's so good um And then, kind of keeping the, the, I guess, somewhat of the theme of uh, exploration of. Black Culture Celebration of Black Excellence and Music. Um, there was a, an HBO special that uh, came out this week. It was a visual album, or um, excuse me, it Disney Plus. It was a visual album, as I believe the nomenclature is today, but Beyonce dropped uh, Black is King, which is in theory her, her new album, but also it, it can't really be experienced without watching the video that accompanies it And I'll just say this again, keep tying my shows to my wife here, my wife was babysat by Beyonce, when she was younger, um, all of the Destiny's children, in fact, um, you know, she went to church, uh, with and actually, La Toya Luck, it was in Treme as well, but went to church with a couple of the girls, you know, like just that. That's it's a different connection than I will ever have. I just think Beyonce is, you know, a superhuman alien, talented, and, and just a creative. I'll say this it's fun watching that. There's so much to take in in that, uh, Black is King. It's you almost have to watch it in parts because you get overloaded with the imagery and the art just going on. Um, it's a celebration of, you know, pure African culture, um, as much as African American. Um, but it's, it's just lavish and rich and beautiful. And there's like crazy outfits that I'm sure took a year to make and then get, 35 second screen time, but there's just so much to take in that almost, I'll say the only time I ever felt this was the first time I ever went to Istanbul. And you go through so many palaces and places that are, you know, ornate and and gold laden and fought over for millenniums where they have just this, you know, ornamentation on top of them. You, you, you see something that otherwise, if you had seen it anywhere else in the world, you would say, Oh, this piece of top copy palace is, you know, the, the most majestic thing I've ever seen. But in there you're like, uh, I see 26 of these gold-plated whatevers, right? And that's kind of how I felt about Placus King, is it was like, by an hour in, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I've gotten so much art. You could freeze-frame any still of this like just take a picture of any and you would want to hang it on your wall it was so beautiful um the imagery but it was almost too much for me but uh, i would say digest it in parts if you're if you experience that it seems like a lot take it in parts and maybe three parts and, and then it should be um a must watch for everyone i think it's amazing and uh, again i just think beyonce is is capital q queen so um yeah check both of those out
0: yeah so like like I said i've, I've watched I've watched most of Treme uh, like three times. And then again, like the weird things happen my, we my wife and I literally started watching it like right before we started like baby prepping. And I was like, well got to get the house ready for the kid. Yeah. So we'll eventually catch back up. But like the, the first time you see the like uh, Clark Peters is, is the actor's name. Clark Peters dressed up as one of the Mardi Gras Indians. Like yeah. my jaw dropped or like yeah. and. One, like, I didn't know Wendell Pierce was an actual musician on top of being an incredible actor. So, like, seeing him in the second line was so stinking cool. I haven't, I haven't checked out uh, Black is King yet. I didn't have a draw to it. It wasn't something that drew me into it. So, uh, it'll probably happen, but my backlog is, like, super long, and I've got to really prioritize things at this point. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: Uh, you can find me um, tweeting from uh, at Beehive King. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, I am part of the Bi, but don't have a Twitter yet. You can find me at Kyle Carpenter as well as follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer.
0: You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, welcome.
1: hook, em. hook em. I love you,